0: It's the warmest October day that I ever saw today, so we skipped practice, Tony and Yogi and I, and decided to take a little ride down to the ferry and over to Staten Island. After polishing off a hero, at Lucy's, we hopped on the back fender of the 2nd Avenue bus and rode down to the ferry basin. Once I fell off a bus like that on a sharp turn and almost got my balls crushed under the back wheel, but this ride was smooth enough and we got off and deposited our nickels in the turnstiles, and we're off. Just as the boat is pulling out of the dock, Tony takes out a bottle of carbona cleaning fluid and a few rags and suggests that we do a little sniffing to get high. I was up for the idea because carbona is one of the finest cheap highs you can get, even stronger than model airplane glue. We slipped up to the top deck of the ship and wet our rags and raise them to our faces. After four deep whiffs, we were sailing someplace else, bells ringing through my ears and little lights flashing through my eyes. I pictured myself paddling across a river with black water. Only the canoe was going backwards instead of forwards with clouds that were faces laughing spooky funhouse laughs which wouldn't stop echoing. More sniffs and more freaky visions, the ringing bell sound just getting louder the more I breathed this stuff into my lungs. I kept it up for about 10 minutes, But by then I was getting too dizzy to handle it and I had to fling down the rag and make it to the side rail, sick as possible. I began puking wildly. My eyes felt like bowling balls and they were watering like mad. Tony and Yogi had done themselves in too and they ran over to join in the ceremony then we recovered enough to hear shouts from the bottom deck and wiping off our eyes, we realized we had zeroed in all over the head of some dude. More unfortunate was the fact that the guy was fantastically huge and looked horribly pissed. We wasted no time in making it for the nearest hiding spot, knowing the guy would be up after us any second. We got to the other side of the boat and did a quick Steve McQueen act, over the rail and down to the lowest deck. Then we ducked into the bathroom and into the last toilet stall, locking the door and sweating our balls off. We hung on in there, reading little penciled-in obscenities until the boat docked. After about ten minutes, we sent Yogi out to see if the coast was clear. He came back and signaled us out, and we ran our asses off the boat through the terminal onto the nearest bus. We came to a nice park somewhere in the middle of the island and played ball with the local lames all day, taking on everyone, even guys as old as 16 or so. It was almost dark when we caught our ferry back to the city again, keeping a sharp lookout for our friend and vowing we'd never sniff that stuff on any ferry again.
1: haven't cried since they fell off the slide. Usually they've been so abused that you wonder if they can take anything. In fact, you kid yourself into thinking that one of them will be able to tolerate so much that you'll actually fall in love with their pain tolerance. you dead wrong there. That'll never happen. Like rats, things get a little vicious. Talking back to Earth again. Yeah, sure some straw to cling to, whatever, so you can fuck them and start it all over again. Guy I knew used to drown his pets so that they were just on the other side and that he'd rescue them. The memory he gave them was a smiling, loving face pulling them out of the barrel, laying them on the grass, dust coating their muzzle. He did it in secret for a couple months off and on, but we knew that he really loved something about those dogs because he knew what they could take. He was impressed. He'd stroke them, pet them, hold them, whisper in their ear. Then he'd drown his dog or his friend's dog again. He did it in the big 50-gallon drum that we used for trash cans. His dad would bring them home from the shipyard. greasy pieces of lettuce floating with particles Who the hell knows what. Anyway, he showed me one day what it was that got him off. Here's his fourth grader bleeding scratches and bite marks on his brown arms, laughing in this unfunny way, and crooning to these yelping, desperate, writhing doggies. And sooner or later, he'd get them. He was fucking inexhaustible. He'd take hours to catch a dog. He could tell what was on his mind, they'd hide, but they'd have to show up at the wash to eat the scraps, and dry dog food sometime, right? In fact, he knew that they knew he knew, and that made it better. Say, you fool. As he grabbed the dog and dragged him away. I'm gonna drown you, Fido. He called every dog Fido and asked me why. Pretty soon the hose would start spinning this greasy mess of water around the barrel. He'd get him in. And you don't know how long it takes for a Labrador to drown. You don't measure it in minutes.
2: Black black plastic is the show you're listening to on Mutiny Radio FM. Coming to you directly live from the not so sunny Mission District in San Francisco, California. This show is a epitaph for the 500 Club. God rest you. Good bar.
3: God bless our mother, mountain Filled all the hopes gathered in my eyes God bless our mother, the mountain Filled all the hopes gathered in my eyes
0: 7th Street. It's like I was taking a trip to Albany or something, and I'm glad I brought along this sports magazine to break the boredom. So I'm reading this piece on how Bill Russell is going to eat up Wilt the Stilt and all is well until I reach 125th Street and onto the train stumbles this old Irish drunk, and he sits right next to me, smelling like a brewery and laying his gibberish sob drama on me. It never fails. Like, I hate these old peckers, but I think they search through trains looking for me, you know? Because in a half-filled car, they'll always pass up anyone else and come right over to me, either cursing, insane, bumming coin, or worst of all, the old sob routine. The trouble with me is, I never had the nerve to tell them to fuck off or go find another seat myself. So what happens is that after about two stops or so later, I'm really involved with the dumb story the dude is laying on me, though I can't understand half of what he's saying. And I, I even start rapping back, like, yeah, yeah, I, I know I know just what you mean. The same thing happened to a man I knew, and, and he became a drunk from it, and blah, 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 etc. You know, taking the dude really serious as if he were making sense. This particular guy today took the cake he kept leaning all over me with his drooling mug, telling me how he killed his wife by accident by dropping a big mirror on her head as they were putting it up together or some shit like that. And every ten seconds, sticking a bottle of Twister in my face asking me to take a drink. So anyway, as usual, the transit cop comes along at 181st Street kicks the guy off the train. Gives me this pathetic, sad wave goodbye as the train was pulling out like he was thinking, Who's gonna listen to me now? And I felt blank and sad, like always after that happens.
4: shower helps. So does the thought of lunch. Pro football players eat well, but wisely. Lunch is a refreshing meal and light. No one wants to eat too much because there's still another practice on the day's schedule. Usually lunch starts with hot soup and a cool salad of lettuce and tomatoes. But there's no spicy dressing for the salad. It's too hard to digest. Next come cold cuts like ham and roast beef, assorted cheeses, tuna fish and bread and rolls. Players can drink fruit juices, lemonade, iced tea, or even hot coffee. No milk at lunch, though. A pro training camp is like a football school. Players spend more time in classrooms than they do on the practice field. The rookie who fails to do his homework with the team playbook soon falls behind the rest of his teammates. The playbook contains hundreds of plays and formations. It is also a guide for training camp rules. It gives the schedule for meals, the time of meetings and other helpful information. Rookies often study their playbooks in their dormitory room after lunch. The playbook is never far from their reach. There is time after lunch for other things, too, like writing letters home, or reading a book, or maybe a friendly game of cards. Players also use this period to take short naps before the start of afternoon practice. By 2.30 in the afternoon, most of them are on their way to the gym to get their ankles taped and to suit up for another long practice.
2: black plastic mutiny radio dot fm where all the sound you hear is from plastic that's flat and black and full of grooves
5: And he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. And he chuckled and clucked. What, what, a, what a great, gritchy trick. <laughs> With this coat and this hat, I look just like Saint Nick. <laughs> All I need is a reindeer. since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the old Grinch? No! The Grinch simply said, if I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he called his dog Max. Then he took some red thread and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. Then the Grinch said, Yip! And the sleigh started down towards the hole lay like a snooze in their town. little house on the square.
6: This
7: is stop
5: number one! The old Grinchy claws hissed and he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chair, a rather tight
4: pinch.
5: If Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once, for a moment or two. And he stuck his head out of oh, the fireplace through the little stocking. to go Then he slithered and With the smile world? most unpleasant and I around the whole street. room and he told every present pop guns and bicycles roller skates drums checkerboards tricycles, popcorn, and plums. And he stuffed them in bags. And the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimney. Then he slung to the icebox.
4: God had told Jonah to go and prophesy against Nineveh, and Jonah was afraid to do it, and he ran away. So God sent me after him, as if you can run away from God.
7: Am I in time? Time what for? To catch a ship? Depends where you going. Anywhere. Away from here. Anywhere. Sword and cruise, like. Yes, that's right. Well, we'm going to Tarshish. Is any good to you? It's not near Nineveh, is it? Nineveh? Bless your heart, no. Nineveh? Why, that's... Well, I don't rightly know where that is, but it ain't nowhere near Tarshish. Good. Good. To Tarshish, then. Anywhere that's away from Nineveh. Up aboard, then. Cast off! Forward! Cast off! Forward. Cast off! Come on! Let's get moving! We don't want to miss the wind! Mr. Andromedes? Aye, aye, sir. I don't much like the look of the weather, Mr. Andromines. We're going to run into a storm, sir. Uh, collect the passengers amidships, Mr. Andromines, and wait for further orders. Aye, aye, sir. You, sir, where are you from? I am an Egyptians. Tell me, Egyptian, did you cause this storm, you or your gods? No, sir, not I, no, my gods. Well, you better pray that it goes away or it may sink us. Pray to your gods to abate the storm. I will, I, I will. Pray, all of you down on your knees and pray. Pray to your gods that the storm may abate and spare us all. Pray, pray. Is everybody here? No, sir. There's a man called Jonah. He's not here. Where is he? He's below, sir. Asleep. 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 I'll not stand for it. Let him obey my orders and come on deck. He's got to pray. We've all got to pray. No one can be excused. This storm has been sent by someone's god, and I want to know whose this, Jonah, up here at once. Aye, aye, sir. Go on, pray, if you value your miserable hides. Get on your knees and pray. Mr. sir, lighten the ship. Cast overboard the deck cargo. Hands to was asleep. I am here. Then get over there with the rest of them and pray. Pray to your God, whatever his name is, to get us all out of this mess.
2: Flatback Plastic Uniradio.fm Fly Black, Black Blessing on Uniradio.fm. F M.